Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 114. Uh, finally back, uh, I moved house to Dali in Yunnan province, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we've had several power cuts since I've arrived, but uh, I'm essentially living on a mountain right now, and I've got my new studio set up. Usually, uh, I need a, I uh, have Phil as my consultation uh, for setting up electronic stuff. I'm not exactly great with it. So I do apologize in advance if uh, the video looks weird or the audio is not quite on point. You know, it's a process. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix any issues after I figure out the quality of this particular podcast. Um, so in terms of the course and the podcast, everything is back to normal. Uh, as you probably know, if you've listened to the, la- the latest podcast, uh, we will be switching over to we're moving away from subscriptions. We're still going to keep a monthly subscription uh, for around $50 a month. We're going to increase that price. But we're going to be making everything available for lifetime access piecemeal bundles. So no more of no more emails from people telling us how much they love the course, but they have to cancel because of whatever got in the way, uh, which really frustrated us as well as, of course, the actual people involved and um, I think this is going to be a much better situation for everyone. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. We're going to hopefully do that uh, in November this month, if it, all things are sort of on track with that. So we've had some great emails and comments again from you guys this week. We've had some new people on the course that have been really uh, sending us some uh, useful informative, uh, just really nice thought out emails and comments. Um, So we're going to share a couple of them with you today. Uh, We're going to start off with Jessica M on uh, this is early on in the course in a bonus bonus video. She says, uh, having found RTH a complete waste of time, memory collisions used out of context, very similar keys. So I think she's referring to uh, another type of memory technique that isn't as effective as the one we use. Uh, the hands and moving method is what we use to learn reading, writing, and pronouncing any Chinese character in less than a minute, usually around 10 or 30 seconds, depending on uh, how how well you've grasped the method. And she refers also to Chinese blockbuster, using Chinese block, blockbuster, hopefully, but lacking a clear path to applying it. I don't know what blockbuster is, but I want to look into it. I've heard of it a couple of times now. But she says, and it seems you've solved it. I'm excited to have you guide me over the intermediate gap where my problem is primarily related to word and character frequency drop-off and acquiring vocabulary. Yeah, we call that the uh, the wasteland of the intermediate. So essentially, you know, the law of diminishing returns kicks in, doesn't it, after a while. Uh, our course, our curriculum currently covers 4,000 words, 1,530 characters. We're going to approximately double that uh, over the next year or so. Uh, but currently, even at that level, this, the amount we have right now covers 94%-ish of the Chinese language by coverage. If we doubled that, do you know how much it would cover? 99%. So doubling the entirety of the course to, say, eight, ten thousand 10,000 words, 3,000 characters plus, um, would only add 5% onto the coverage. That's what we mean by law of diminishing returns. So, and uh, in my opinion, if you want to get past that stage, some people, even if they are technically, they feel that that you could class them as advanced, they still feel like they're intermediate. So it's hard to know when you're not, right? I guess it's down to spoken performance. 
So I I remember reading Moonwalking with Einstein. This is before uh, when Phil and I were still laying out the plans for the original version of this course. And one thing he referred to in that book was the OK Plateau. I think it was his book. It, I hope I'm not confusing it. I might be confusing it with Gabriel Weiner's Fluent Forever. But anyway, there's, there's something called the OK Plateau where your brain just says, all right, we're good enough. Um, it stops trying, uh, and you know, just due to, I don't know, efficiency. Let's focus on other stuff, you know, because the law of diminishing returns kicks in. And you do like a, an equation in your mind. You're like, okay, it's not really worth continuing. And you start to naturally just drop off in terms of the effort. But the difference between people that are intermediate and people that make it to more advanced levels in any skill, not just Chinese, the people that address their weaknesses and uh, consistently. Uh, so, you know, uh, acquiring vocabulary is tough, but that's probably because you're not reading and listening enough. Uh, or because reading and listening, you don't get the, um, you don't feel like you're having that many clicks as you used to. So you don't do it that much. But actually, um, you have to just do it consistently without thinking about the immediate results you're getting. And then after several months, perhaps, you suddenly notice, wow, I was able to say that thing that I couldn't say. Or, wow, that conversation I had with that lady was super fluent. And I, I've never spoken that fluent before. It's all because of the quiet results you get through consistent reading and listening to stuff that you understand, of course. Um, that's how I manage that. I understand completely what you're going through there. Uh, she, she says, uh, coming at this after a year, a year of studying Chinese, I think your system isn't for beginners. It seems to me that someone would benefit from one to 200 hours of oral CI instruction first and cold character reading up to at least a 200 character level so they understand how it fits together. And then this system will rapidly increase their vocabulary and reading level. Now, I don't know what oral CI instruction actually is specifically. I just imagine, because you say oral, that you mean spoken practice, right? I'm assuming that's the case. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so you, you think that um, jumping in and speaking for one or 200 hours uh, to get a feel for the language um, would help before learning characters. Fair enough. I don't really have enough. <laughs> I don't have the, like a, I only have my own personal experience and situation. That's pretty much what I did. Um, I just spoke a lot, listened and repeated, and I, I tried to speak to people and my progress was incredibly slow. My my progress personally um, only started to speed up when I learned characters and I started reading and listening because I was speaking a lot anyway. But with you know you know I, I, it's hard to say no that's wrong because I mean how how can I how can I say that it, how can one one or two hundred hours of speaking not be good for you you know. Um, even if you don't have any foundation, you just start and you just try. I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I think it's down to personal preference, though. I don't think it's like a clear-cut thing. There's no clear-cut thing. This is the best way to learn language. Um, and I've listened to a lot, all the sort of major polyglots. Um, and they do tend to have like conflicting ideas. When to speak, you know, and how to know. In fact, with our language mastery podcast recently, John Fotheringham's podcast that we were on, we spoke about this, and it's really, really tough to decide when do you speak. Do you do you follow sort of the more the Steve Kaufman view, where or the uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. The uh, Stephen Krashen, for example, where 
it's more it's all about reading and listening first you can even have a silent period for several months you just don't speak at all until you gain an understanding of the language and then you gradually introduce speaking that's basically what we've the rough idea we've based our method on uh, the mandarin blueprint method um or do you just do more like the Benny Lewis style where you just you jump in and you try and learn a few words and then you use them immediately and you just blurt stuff out and just try your best to speak with every single person and create every opportunity of speaking. Uh, and then, you know, in in the in your spare time or whatever, when you can just do the study, the, the official study and start learning words and grammar uh, separately, which I think is the way roughly what he, he suggests. And they're both really successful, so it's tough. But yeah, maybe. I mean, I I want. I say speak when you want and uh, as much as you're as much as you want and as much as you can uh, from the very beginning, if you like. But I think that you'll gain a lot more from speaking if you know how to read and listen, and you're doing that constantly. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have anything in here, like you're not consuming stuff, how can you speak? it out how can you produce it similar to when you're a kid you know you don't as a kid you listen for hundreds and hundreds maybe even thousands of hours before you utter one word um so yeah it's tough um but cold character reading up to at least a 200 character level yeah i i, I looked into cold so cold character reading is basically reading practice but without learning characters you're just looking at the characters and that's essentially what i did too actually um really i mean i I didn't read proper sentences until uh, like a year in but individual characters and words i would would, that's how i learned the characters doing that and uh, i looked up a little bit about this um and it it seems to me like rote learning essentially which we're we're not that into um i don't see i think it's more it's a way of patching it's a way of getting reading practice without knowing how to teach characters properly, in my opinion. Um, so it's like, okay, we we don't want to teach the very traditional way where you don't learn any characters and you just sort of jump into a really difficult text and you, you don't know what you're looking at. So they start with individual, very, very simple sentences and just repetition, repetition, repetition. Uh, and you read, you repeat the audio, and you look at the characters in front of you, and that's how this uh, cold character reading seems to work, right? Um, but for me, that's like a way of getting to the reading and just saying, look, reading is good for your language acquisition journey. It's much better for you to read and stuff, but we don't know how to teach characters, so just look at characters and read and copy what. You... And they say that. Um, and I remember, like I said, I used this for learning thousands of words, learning in a very not very effective way. But I, I would look at a word on the digital flashcard and I would recognize it. I've seen that character so many times. I see the shape of it. Ah, oh, that's Weilai. That's That means future in Chinese. Brilliant. Correct. But then I would always confuse Wei with more, a very similar looking character. Um, and I wouldn't really have acquired that character. And it's, you know, so... I feel like I'm rambling a little bit there, but the the, the gist is generally now nah, I'm not I'm not really a big supporter of that cold character reading after, but I've only looked at it like just the general gist of what it is for like five minutes, but just on the on the surface, I'm not I don't like the concept. I think 
if you know how to teach characters, which we do, and you know how to learn characters very efficiently, you should learn them as soon as possible so you can read, right? Just jump straight in, get it done. And it's a bit more, it's a bit more work on the front end. It's a bit more work in the beginning, but it's so worth it after a few weeks because you can read stuff. Um, read properly, not just like, oh, I recognize that squiggle. It's, it, the shape of it roughly is this. No, you actually know that each character inside out and you can pronounce it and you can write it. And that's the difference with our methods. So, of course, I'm very biased <laughs> and not an expert. But I, I really appreciate And Jessica has sent so many um, already. She's only been on the course a very short time. And she's already sent a ton of insightful comments that really made me think and feel too. So uh, please keep them coming. Uh, very interested to hear your views on this stuff. Um, next, we've had uh, John McCann on how does what a grammar lesson. And he says, these grammar points are very helpful and I periodically go back and review them, keep up the good work, and they are not too much information. Well, that's really good to hear. That's really good. Not only that they, they you know, they, they seem like they're not terrible to watch, which is great, but uh, sometimes certain grammar structures can, they have a lot to them and it involves a lot of sentence, uh, example sentences. So I'm glad that they're not overwhelming for you, John. Thank you, mate. Uh, next here is uh, Christine, and uh, this is, oh, well done, Christine, by the way. She got through, uh, in around six months, she got through the entire foundation course, which is phases one to five, um, which is, you know, well over 2,000 lessons. Um, she's learned uh, how to read and write and pronounce 600 characters, and a thousand the 1,000 most common words, I would say. So it's about 80% coverage. She says, woohoo, just about six months to get here. Interesting to see the variations in speed and approach from different people. So if you go to this part of the course, you'll see all different people who have said, oh, I finished this in two months. Uh, oh, I finished, it took me in nine months. Oh, it took, you know, and, and saying how long it took them and uh, what their feelings are about this achievement is great. I'm very happy with my progress, you should be. And also just to add my voice to the others to say how awesome this course is. Uh, thanks so much for your hard work on this. You guys rock. Thank you. You rock too. You all do. Uh, thanks for the great comments. And on to the intermediate. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. Now, on to the intermediate, which is uh, double the size of the foundation. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'd say more than double, actually. <laughs> more than double the size of the foundation. So... Uh, I'll see you in another six months, hopefully, and you finish that maybe. We shall see. No pressure, though. Don't pressure. Enjoy yourself. Uh, next one here is from uh, Christian Solom. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that probably wrong, but Solom. Uh, on uh, Oh, again, this is the same lesson. Fantastic. All right, so this is, uh, again, Christian has, has also finished his foundation. Well done. And here's what I'm talking about. He says, what a ride. It took me exactly 100 days to finish the foundation course with no zero days, but a few days of only doing Anki reviews with no new characters added when I was particularly busy at work. Well, that's fine. That's not a zero day, so that's good. Thank you, Luke and Phil, for, for a fantastic course, and congratulations to all my fellow students for reaching this milestone. See you at the end of the intermediate course. Love it. Well done, mate. Thank you. 100 days. That's just over three months you've gone from, I don't, actually, I can't say what your level was originally. So I don't want to, but if you went, if we went from zero, you learned how to read Chinese, 80% um, of Chinese technically by coverage in about three months. 
that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Well done, mate. Oh, here's another uh, uh, a relatively new person on the Mandarin Blueprint Method curriculum, Lance. And he sent a ton of useful stuff in the community, our community forum, which has just been very useful. So I appreciate that, Lance. Uh, keep that stuff coming. It's great. He says, I just came across this article that appears to be from one of you. It's about shadowing. Uh, which is where you listen and repeat to what you are hearing as a native piece of content at the same time, or you try to repeat it at the same time out loud. Um, it's quite challenging, but it's very good for your, well, it's an all-round skill. Pretty much improves everything except for writing because you can actually read the text and listen and speak at the same time. It's very good for you. He says, I have a handful of sounds that I struggle with, such as yo. I skip the O unless I'm hyper-focused on it. You, you, well, you should. I mean, the O, I, I, I'm not quite, I'm not quite 100% on that one. Yo, so you mean you say like, you, you, like that, like that? I, I imagine that's what you mean. Some people do that because the pinyin spelling is a bit weird, it throws them off. U, my native speaking language partner regularly complains about it, either because I move my lips during the vocalization, U, or I, because I don't complete an e sound at the end yeah i i know i know what you're trying to say there um yeah so teachers teach it like like with the e at the end uh, i don't hear all the native speakers make the e ending yeah me neither yen <laughs> oh i a n i use a instead of e yeah yan right yeah that's very common for sure uh, I also have some trouble with keeping my tongue on lower teeth when combining Q or J with retroflex consonants. Yeah, for sure. Like so, chu uh, chu, yeah. So chu 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 chu. When you do that, we call it tongue acrobatics. So retroflex is like chu, like your tongue's curled back, and then the Q or the J is obviously tongue down here behind the teeth. So it's yeah, it's difficult. Sure, it's difficult to do that tongue acrobatics. Uh, other than that, I feel pretty confident with pronunciation and tones. I find shadowing very effective at picking up grammar and vocabulary, but after reading your core article, I'm wondering if I'm shadowing too early and at risk of fossilizing my problem areas. One thought I had was to practice silent shadowing whilst correct, uh, while I correct my remaining pronunciation issues. Do you have any other thoughts? Well, you seem to be aware of your pronunciation. So can you hear, when you hear yourself speak, Do you, are you aware that you said the mistake? That's important. So if you're repeating something and you say, chul, chul, right, oh, that was wrong, and you correct yourself, well, that's fine. Um, it's obviously best that you don't speak. Uh, what, when we're talking about um, fossilization, I personally saw fossilization as, as grammar-related more, really. Um, so, for example, if I, if I try to speak too early... And I, you know, I'm saying, um, uh, say I'm speaking English, right? So I'm, I'm learning English. And I say, toilet is where, toilet is where. And I keep saying toilet is where, toilet is where. <clears throat> no, maybe we've got a digestion issue or something. Toilet is where. Then eventually, even if I learn the correct way of saying it, where is the toilet, I'll still have the bad habit fossilized in my mind of saying toilet is where. And it becomes a part of my way of speaking forever. Uh, that's how I saw it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, maybe it also applies to pronunciation. I don't see why it wouldn't. But uh, um, when you have, you know, you don't, first of all, you don't need to have perfect pronunciation. Uh, if you have some pronunciation mistakes, it's much more important. Um, as long as it's not 
debilitating. It sounds to me like your pronunciation issues here, with the possible exception of yan instead of yen, um, are very minor, you know, and it's just standard pronunciation issues that everyone has. And it's not, as long as it doesn't, you're not getting the actual syllables wrong. You're not you're not saying a Q when you should say a CH and all that. Then it's not such a big problem, in my opinion. And as long as you're aware of them uh, and you can correct yourself, that's the key. So I, I would, and there's no way shadowing will hurt you if you if you if you're aware of your mistakes. You know, um, send a recording. How about that? Why don't you record yourself doing a sentence or however much you can handle a paragraph or whatever and send it to Phil or myself and we'll correct it for free. We do that, guys. If, if you're on the pronunciation course or just the course in general, uh, usually people start doing this more when they get to phases four and five. They'll send in a one minute or 30 second clip of them speaking and we'll critique it either publicly or privately, <laughs> depending on what you fancy. No worries. Um, so... Yeah, I would say that's the best way. Send it in and I'll tell you, or Phil will tell you, exactly how bad the situation is. And it probably isn't that bad. Okay, But overall, I would say no, go ahead, keep practicing uh, shadowing. It seems to me that fossilization is when you're you're just speaking. You're not you're not copying directly a native speaker. So if I'm, it's when I'm away from my tutor or away from my content and I'm speaking to a Chinese person and I'm interacting and I end up making up something or I say something wrong over and over again. But if I'm there and I'm listening to the audio, it's very, I mean, I'm gonna know if I've said something wrong usually. So I, you know, if that, maybe that's an old article. If, if we, you know, I'll have to take a look at the article to see it, see exactly what we said. But uh, I would say, yeah, don't worry about it, Lance. Go ahead, keep, keep shadowing, it's great for you. Uh, next one here is from Lucy Haley. Uh, she says, she asks, sorry, is it a bad is it bad if I skip other people's own explanation of their character scripts? Yes, that's fine. They're only there to help. Uh, so uh, she says, I find it helpful when I can't think of anything, but sometimes I get confused and start merging parts of their story with mine. Yeah, this is how I would do it. I see. I try to make it from scratch without looking at any of the comments, uh, unless I'm just I'm just feeling lazy and I'm just want I just want to get through it as quickly as possible, easy as possible. Um, but sometimes just directly looking at the comments can actually, like you say, make it worse. So I'd say overall, yeah, try and try and make your own scene first. Try for like 30 seconds. If you're struggling after 30 seconds, you really don't have anything. Look for, or even 10 seconds really, then look for some inspiration below. Uh, and that's it. That's how, that's how I would go. Yes, it, they're, they're only there as a, as a push, as a support, uh, if you need it. Next one here is from Nacho. He says, in my case, I've been reading all the paragraphs at least once. So this is a phase five materials. This is when we start introducing longer form content. That's how the, the course structure works. Most of you listening to this probably are aware, but just in case, we start with pronunciation concepts and then teach you characters, individual characters, then you learn individual words. And then phase three, we start you start reading whole sentences. And then phase four, you're obviously doing all everything from phases, you know, pre-phase to to phase four, but you're also uh, reading short stories, dialogues, longer form content, and then phase five, you're reading entire paragraphs and full stories, uh, and as well as everything else. So it sort of get compiles onto each other. He says, in my case, I've been reading all the paragraphs at least once. So I think before moving one step forward, I'll come back, check and study all of them because I want to be ready for those big stories and want to do it right, not rushing. Sounds good. 
Sounds good. Uh, you, you again, you can't really hurt yourself by reading and listening more. It's not it's not ever going to cause issues, right? Um, don't let it restrict you though. If you want to, if you want to take a peek at the story and see see how you can handle it, go ahead. Um, but uh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Do a bit more preparation um, and then be able to do the full story better. Yeah. Andrew Yusupov, um, this is on a pronunciation lesson in pronunciation mastery. He says, all of these intricacies and exceptions, inconsistencies to pinyin pronunciations, and there are a lot, oh, there, there are a good handful of them, sure, would be solved by teaching students zhuyin. All sounds are depicted exactly as they are. Why don't we? Well, same reason why we teach simplified characters instead of traditional is because it's more common right so pinyin is something that's everywhere if you want to study chinese you're going to need to learn pinyin Yin is optional though because you know you can just not use it um uh, it's i've heard it's more efficient i've heard it it's actually if you have a Yin keyboard it's actually faster and easier to type once you've mastered it but relatively few people use it so that's it. And we have limited time and resources. And that's the only reason, not because Julian sucks <laughs> or we have a problem with it. Um, and pinion isn't that bad. It's, it's got a few inconsistencies. It's not lots, it's a handful. And they're very simple to, to grasp once you've, yeah. So by the end of the, the pronunciation mastery course, anyone can grasp all these inconsistencies of pinion. Um, so yeah, maybe one day I'd like to one day I'd one day I'd like to get not only traditional characters in, but uh, also yeah, why not Julian as well? Teach people that for for sure. Uh, Heath Campbell says, "Is this a little like and oh?" So this is for uh, make a movie for Ju, which um, is well, it has a, f a few different usages there. But yes, you would put it on the end of uh, of a. It's usually at the end of a word, a compound word to signify. A person who does that thing. He says, is this a little like adding ER to an English word? For example, a carpenter, uh, a mugger, a, a mugger, uh, a lawyer. <laughs> oh, literally a mugger, like someone who mugs people uh, or someone that makes mugs. I don't know. But either way, it works, I suppose. Lawyer, sweeper, and so on. And the answer is yes. And I don't know the exact rules, but there's also jia as in home. But you you would say uh, like kushu jia is kushu uh, is science kushu, and then jia scientist. Um,音乐学家,语言学家, uh, like these xue, these these sort of um, areas of study, I suppose you'd add a jia on the end. Zhe uh, um, is actually very general. I guess it's more um, working class. Uh, sort of areas of um, jobs, like like I'm a carpenter, I'm a mugger, like a well, mugger. Lu <laughs> um, shi lawyer actually is is different. Shi like lao shi, right? Shi is uh, again another sort of ending that relates to a field, like a like a sort of job. So you have jia, you have shi, you have zhe. Um and uh, you also have uh, I can't remember anymore now, but yeah, you have you notice these, you notice these pat patterns, and uh, Heath is starting to notice too, which is fantastic. Next one here is from James Trethaway uh, on level six complete. He says, "Hi guys, James here, first time commenter, long time fan. Uh, when counting the vocabulary, it leaves out certain words like coal. Uh, it has 人口, as we population, or 入口." 
which means entrance, why is cold mouth not counted as a piece of vocabulary on its own? And then he kind of answers his own question in the next paragraph where he says, just as an add-on to this, I just went back and reread your explanation of Chinese characters, talking about how they are morphemes. So is, so is mouth used differently in Mandarin than it is in English, in that it can't be used alone, similar to your description of chang? Yes, so uh, characters are morphemes. Chinese characters are morphemes. They're chunks of meaning. So we always use this example. Take the word, because uh, we're lazy, and this works. So take the word unexpected. You've got un and you've got ed, right? These are morphemes. And the word expect in the middle is also a morpheme. They're all chunks of language. But un and ed can't be used alone. And expect can be used alone. I expect, blah, blah, blah. Characters are exactly the same. Characters are un or ed or expect. They are chunks of meaning called morphemes. Um, and coal in modern day Chinese is not a standalone, it's not an expect, it's more of an un or an ed. Uh, so it's only used in combinations. So for example, ru kou or chu uh, kou or ren kou. The modern day version of mouth would be zui. Zui, that is a word. It's one character, but it is a word that can stand alone. Okay. Uh, this is a really common thing. Um, check out our blog post on Chinese characters. Obviously, I've already answered James, so I'm not talking to you, James. You, 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 you've obviously, uh, you get this by now for sure. But uh, if you want to go check out our blog, there's a Chinese Characters 101. We also have an ebook, uh, all about just this general stuff about Chinese characters, just the, the big questions, you know, where do they come from? How have they developed over the years? How many are there? How many do they need to learn? And what are the types of Chinese characters? That's pretty cool. And what are Chinese characters? How do they work? Um, so they'll answer that will answer all your questions in there if you have them. Next one is uh, Jessica again on uh, what will and won't make you fluent in Mandarin. She says, if you sat in front of a Chinese, this is what I this is quoting me, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> if you sat in front of a Chinese television for ten years, that would be a very bad way to learn Chinese. I agree, <laughs> she says. Though with the right material, it would eventually work. Uh, remember Stephen Krashen presented a case study of a child who learned Mandarin watching, he estimated, about 500 hours of cartoons on TV. My Spanish teacher learned perfect Native American accent English watching TV. It can and often does work, but in Chinese, it doesn't make you literate. And literacy in Chinese is a real barrier to acquiring vocabulary. Yes, there's a few parts to that. So, yeah, watching 500 hours of cartoons as a kid, like, yeah, like, like it's really basic right um but i imagine that wasn't all the kid did uh my, maybe it was maybe it was but your spanish teacher did he just watch tv or did he also study english you know um tv i think is fantastic as a support i learned so many cool words from tv all the time because it's emotional and uh it links to your memory emotionally um it's, I, I just remember I just remember I, I've learned I've, le I've learned hundreds of words from TV like in a, in a relatively short time uh, when I first started watching it because I just remember that feeling of being like oh my god I'm understanding what I'm watching you know and uh, those first few episodes of TV that I watched in Chinese like on my little iPad thing was uh, are still etched into my memory for some reason I, I just remember so many words from those few episodes it's weird because it's the emotional content and, and obviously the situational. The feeling, uh, the, the feeling of uh, enjoyment and satisfaction I had at the time. But just watching TV from zero, 
I don't see how that's going to work. You know, with no, like, as opposed to other methods, I'm sure it could work eventually. But uh, yeah, with the right content, sure. But just you know, it's it's a tough one. It's like maybe your time is better spent doing the manner of blueprint method, <laughs> and then then spending you know for like 400 hours, and then spending an hour 100 hours on TV. Um, yeah, and that's another thing, of course. The, again, the barrier of characters, right? Uh, you can't learn characters from TV, unfortunately, and it, it certainly is a very big barrier. Yeah, but I, 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 I highly recommend watching as much TV as you can. The Chinese TV shows, I have completely changed my mind on them. When I first started out, I was always like, these are so weird and very badly made and cheesy, and they are. But I think. I don't know what's going on right now, but there just didn't seem to be making so many better and better ones. And they are still have that Chinese way of just being very random. Like it starts off a story about a little family and then suddenly everyone everyone always dies. <laughs> like it's very it's usually very uh, you know, not exactly uplifting for the most part. But um it would just go off in all sorts of crazy directions because these series are so long. It's like seventy or hundred episodes sometimes, at least forty in a in a series, and that's it. And they all release pretty much. Um, they're all there to watch. You can just watch them in a row, you know, most of the time. And they're just, uh, but they they are so engaging once you get into them, you know. On the other hand, though, some, a lot of uh, TV shows are coming out now that are about very day to day stuff. It's a very Chinese thing. It's not sort of like you know, American gods or whatever, or Game of Thrones, all these sort of really uh, fantastical things. They're usually just about, you know, a family of three people or a, a husband and wife or three couples that are having problems with their marriages. They're very day-to-day -day stuff. So it's very good for not just learning Chinese, but also getting a real taste of what Chinese culture is like. Uh, so just a little tip for you there. Yeah, Chinese TV is improving overall. Or maybe it's just that, I've just grown to like it, I don't know. Uh, another one from Jessica here. She says, man, oh man, I wish my first Chinese school listened to this. So this is a video where I'm just, I just basically talk about like, hey, input, <laughs> get, read and listen. Don't focus so much on output at the, at the early stages. She says, I wish my Chinese school listened to this. They measure success in terms of output. And I left with poor comprehension of anything anyone said, even though I had memorized a decent amount of vocabulary. You had learned that vocabulary, but you hadn't acquired it. I switched to a CI teacher online. Again, there's that CI, uh, just, like, just a teacher, I guess, and worked over the last year on a CI base. And wow, what a difference. A base. Okay, okay. I've really got to find out what this is. So please tell me, what is CI? <laughs> I, I imagine it's just a, a Chinese school, right? Another one, Lucy Haley. She says, is it okay if we are reading sentences and feeling confused by the translation? Yes, I'll say straight away, uh, yes. For example, I recognize ma as a horse in the following. <laughs> so yeah, but that obviously doesn't translate well. I'd assume it's some cool language cultural thing with crossing roads and horses or something. Haha, <laughs> love this course, highlight of my day. Thank you, Lucy. And yeah, it's just the typical sort of when you're in the beginning or early intermediate stages is that like, when does a word finish and when does a word begin? Uh, how do I know if it's a single? You just have to wait until your vocabulary is high enough and you just have to get used to reading and, and listening to the language just keep, by doing it a lot. I sound like a broken record today, don't I? Um, 
Yeah, malu is a, is a compound word. They're attached to each other. It's not like horse and then road separately. So it's malu, and of course that comes from like you say, like you suggest, which is a it's, you know that's what roads were for for when this word was invented. Malu. Um, it was for horses, not for cars, of course. So yeah, uh, that's just that's just a very simple mistake that everyone makes in in this at this stage when you're transitioning from looking at individual words and characters to reading sentences you're like where is that a word or is that together or is that separate <laughs> it can be frustrating but just keep at it keep at it william beeman on new vocabulary unlocked for jueda as in to feel he says hi can i can you say something about the use of hi in wojueda ta bi wo hai i think of it as yet or still uh it is yeah it does mean that so could the sentence be I think he is still smarter than me. No. In this context, uh, this is uh, yet more. It's like more told me. So, be will hide told me. But it's like the, it's, it's more like saying actually even more. So, if you just said, if you got rid of the high, right? That's just like, I reckon he's smarter than me. But if you say, like, you're saying he's even smarter than me. So the idea is that I'm really smart and he's even smarter than me. Okay. So that's what that brings to the table in that sentence. Dima Kuranda on uh, it's, uh, it's another it's a bit of long form content. She says, I'm a little bit confused about this sentence. What is that Luan doing? What is it? Why do we use this word Luan? Thank you for the answer in advance. It's an example of, I learned this character, Luan, right? And you learn it, actually, it means chaos or disorder, which is a very clear definition, isn't it? Chaos. Uh, but then you see it and you're like, not chaos loud and not chaos bark. It's like, what the heck is that doing? What did chaos have to do? But it's because you learn one definition of the character i'm assuming I'm, i might be incorrect and maybe this is not what's going on in your mind but i'm just saying this is what happened for me uh a lot so you're like uh, but luan in this context you put it before a verb and it just means doing this verb with disorder without thinking um randomly doing it um so luan luan chao luan jiao it's like at any time he randomly barks and uh, just does it when he wants uh, or it wants. Um, so, and to just keep it, all I'll say is that you can use that in front of a ton of different verbs. Um, I mean, I can think of about, just there's, there's no point giving you examples because there's so many. So just keep an eye out for that. Um, Dima and any listeners out there, like learn before a verb um, and try some out, you know, with, with your tutor as well. So have a look at some example sentences uh, on Pleco or in our course on your on your flashcards and uh, have a little look. So that's all we have for the comments and emails this week. Thank you very much for those. Uh, we have had a few movies come in, so we're going to run through them. So again, for people that are not on the course, um, <laughs> first of all, what are you doing? Get on the course. Try it out. Seven-day free trial. Um, the early part of the course, we teach you characters, right? And... We do it by memory techniques, as I've already discussed. And we do it by creating movie scenes in your mind, using actors, which are people, 
sets, which are places like buildings, and uh, props, which are objects. And then they all sort of come together and they represent the various aspects of the character. So uh, we have amazing people on, a, on the course that give so many great suggestions for us. And here are a few that we've got this week. We've got a couple from Rick Santos. So I'll make a movie for Shue, which means snow. So he just says, he doesn't describe a scene. He just says, unlike the rain, after snow, there is a lot of shoveling. <laughs> so the bottom part, we actually, the, the prop, the object we, rec we re represent, we recommend that you choose is a, uh, a shovel or a, I believe we also recommend a broom of some kind. Uh, and the top means rain, that top part of the character. So rain and shoveling, right? So instead of describing a scene, he just said, sort of like a haiku or some sort of poem. It says, unlike the rain, after the snow, there is a lot of shoveling, cleaning to do. Okay, that's a terrible, terrible poem. <laughs> um, so you can actually do a lot with that. I kind of like this idea when people do this, where it's just like they give a general idea. They don't lay it out too thickly for you or too, in too much detail and just let you work with it if you want. So for, for the first thing I'm thinking is uh, rain and uh, it falls and it's like flooded and someone clicks or does something and it turns into snow and then they start shoveling. So very simple. Another one that Rick had here is um, threatened by an arrow, crossbow. Uh, so we've got on the left, we've got crossbow, that's a prop because this, this particular component actually comes from Arrow, that's what it originally means, arrow. Uh, and then woman, of course, on the bottom uh, and carries a heavy load of grain. That, that means grain at the top. Threatened by an arrow, a woman carries a heavy load of grain and appears short. Maybe it's so heavy that it's actually squished her and then she's running away from someone trying to get her with a crossbow. <laughs> uh, that would be great. Uh, you could even add in like an accordion sound. It's like she gets squished and she's like maybe going up and down or something like that. Uh, I like to do stuff like that, add in, add in different senses uh, to the scene. Well done, Rick. Next we have, uh, so Della Fuller, I'll make a movie for uh, D, as in younger brother. So this would be great if you have a younger brother. Because <laughs> you just imagine your younger brother represents this keyword. But not everyone's uh, that lucky, so let's see. Donna is in the backyard of my childhood home with Katniss Everdeen. Uh, D, yeah, D-I, okay, right, yeah. Donna has a samurai sword and Katniss has her bow and arrows, of course. Donna's little brother, that's the meaning, of course, of the character, is tied up to a stake with horns, you can see the horns at the top of the character, attached to the top of his head. Both Donna and Katniss are trying to be the first to knock the horns off Donna's little brother's head. Donna may not have a little brother for much longer. <laughs> oh, great, so your friend... Your friend Donna, okay, Katniss Everdeen. Oh, I get it. Sorry, Katniss Everdeen represents the bow component. Uh, it's coming together now. So it took me a while. Um, and Donna is your friend who actually has a little brother. That's very handy. Very good. Very lucky. Uh, well done, Della. That was very vivid. I like that one. It ticks all the boxes. Next one here is Shay. There's another, there's another one from Della. Let's have a look. She says, Sean Connery is in the lobby of Bard on the beach where I go to see plays. Great. He has a microphone in one hand, which is the eye sort of shape on the left, and a very angry turkey in the other. 
that's the representative of the bird component on the right. He's desperately looking around the lobby asking, who has lost his turkey? Whose turkey is this? Who does this turkey belong to? He eventually gives up with a shrug of his shoulders and asks instead, who wants this delicious turkey? The turkey gets decidedly angrier. I love that. Well done, Della. Oh, yeah, it's Sean Connery, bless him. He uh, passed away uh, recently. What a legend. <clears throat> I watched him recently in The Untouchables as well. Um, and he's actually a big part of our course. <laughs> like, like, I remember I mentioned him in the pronunciation mastery as a way of pronouncing the SH, you know, and the, the CH sound, like curling your tongue up. And he's he's been a long standing member he's like our sort of default s character in the course so you know it's been very personal and emotional uh seeing him go um yeah great scene great scene sorry i got distracted there um yeah great scene who wants this delicious turkey yeah uh, I, I can i could just visualize the emotions in there i'm sure you guys can too well done Della. another one here's from uh will r on make a movie for show as in to receive i like it when people lay out um the actor the set the room it just makes it so readable so thanks for that will he says uh actor sean connery set ou uh room within set front door okay cool so we've got a usb stick which is what it looks like well done and a mormon missionary oh i get it because this this component means uh this component on the right it means knock or a tap of some kind. Um, and he's, he's Mormon missionaries because he would sometimes get Mormons knocking on his door, you know, spreading the word and stuff. So that's very, very good choice. Uh, make a movie. So Sean Connery comes to the front door. A Mormon missionary knocks on the door and Sean Connery answers. The missionary says, hello, I would like you to receive this wonderful USB stick full of spiritual data that has been made for you. <laughs> Sean Connery replies, receive this and slams the door in the Mormon missionary's face. That's <laughs> oh, another Sean one. That was fantastic. Well done. Well done. I think when you're a fan as well, when you're you're when it's a celebrity or a famous actor or a famous uh, character of some kind that you know well, it just makes the scene so much more fun. It's probably some like Zoomers out here, like young kids who have no idea who Sean Connery is, and it's just like, yeah, it's all right. But, but for me, I just love. That's just a great, great scene. Christine on Make a Movie for Yang, which means uh, ocean. It's uh, one of those un or ed words, though. It's just it's not stand on its own kind of uh, character. You need you need high high Yang. You need to have high with it. So she says. I struggle to get an association between sheep and the ocean. So in desperation, I googled ocean sheep. I was not disappointed. Here is a link to the an ocean sheep. And she's put a link. I'll, I'll just put it up here as well. It's, it's, it's adorable, actually. I've never heard of this, never seen it before. But there is such a thing as an ocean sheep. And it looks exactly like an, an adorable cartoon sheep. She says, my scene is therefore that my sister, her YI actress, needs to build an aquarium for these little these these little leaf sheep which live in the ocean she attaches a hose my water drop prop to the tap in my kitchen of my a and g location fills a tank to make a home for these cute little ocean sheep nice really nice and it, yeah that adds a very personal touch very unique touch to it um i'd like to see other people try that too and yeah please 
add in uh, images, uh, links, as long as obviously they're safe and everything like that, please add in images, videos, all sorts of cool stuff to give people extra inspiration as they're making their movie scenes. All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. That's all the movies and comments and emails. Uh, it's great to be back. Hopefully this quality of this audio and video is not too bad. So I can keep uh, doing it. Uh, I can do it for next time as well. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I will speak to you in a couple of weeks. Bye bye.